Let me pray and then we're going to jump in, all right? Lord, just allow my mind and my heart now to focus on what it is that you have for your people this morning. And it's exciting to know that we can come before you and you hear our prayer and you direct our words and our thoughts. And so I need you to desperately do that this morning in me. And for those out there in the congregation, would you open their hearts and their ears to hear what you have to say this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've not been with us the last several weeks, let me get some of this. We've been going through the book of John, and Todd spoke last week about the disciples gathering up for some of their final moments with Jesus, and the last uh, three chapters, 13, 14, 15, and now 16, it's kind of been the last uh, gathering for him and the guys that have been closest to him on the journey. And so here we come to today in, in John 16, and we, we come to this plan that was originated by God in the beginning, and, and it's going along just fine. But today, we're going to come to a huge game changer. I mean, this today is what we're going to be talking about. It's, a, it's just a monumental addition to the plan that the disciples had no clue what this was going to mean to them. Now, we're privy to the info. It's kind of like we came in at the end of the movie, and we got to see everything. And so what I, what I hope doesn't happen today is we don't get lost in the reality that the disciples had to work through when they were with Jesus in the last few days of his life. So Jesus is speaking to them, and he's trying to prepare them for this huge monumental shift that's about to happen, and that is that Jesus is going to go away. In fact, in chapter 13, he mentions it. He says, I'm going to go away, and he says, but when I go away, I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the spirit of truth to be with you. All right, that's cool. He only got one question. Chapter 14 comes around. I'm going away, guys. Where I go, I'm going to go be with the Father. Let not your hearts be troubled. Just trust me. Got another question. You know, Thomas blurts out and says, you know, where are we going? Where are you going? What's going on here? You know, and so you can begin to kind of feel what's happening. They, they, they're kind of hearing what Jesus is saying, but put yourself in their place. Things are happening here, and Jesus is kind of saying this, and it really doesn't fit within the plan, so they're really kind of not listening, or they're listening out of one ear. We often do this in our marriage. We call it selective spousal listening. <laughs> we kind of hear what we want to hear, and then we ignore the rest. Honey, I didn't hear that. You know. Well, this is kind of where the disciples were. Jesus was preparing them. He's going, guys, this is a this is a monumental deal in just a couple of days. And I need to prepare you for it. I need you guys to be engaged with what I'm saying because I am going away. Now stop for a minute. At this point, we're huddled around. Here's the coach. He's talking to his, his team. And the disciples are processing all this. And it's beginning to hit home with them that Jesus, in fact, will be going away. But it just doesn't fit where they're at right now, right? Here's this Messiah. Here's this King of Kings. Here's this 
long-awaited ruler from Israel that they've been waiting on since Genesis 3 to come and to set him free. And he's going to leave? And by the way, you know, if, if you guys hadn't noticed, man, he's, he's good. I mean, we got some miracles happening. I mean, he's, he's really, he's doing some stuff. He's healing people and man, life's never been better. Then he says, but I'm going away. Not once, not twice, but three times. And if that's not crazy enough for those guys to hear, he's going to throw some pretty heavy tasks in front of them and say, not only am I going away, but the last uh, four messages out of John, we've learned that when I go away, I'm going to ask you to do some things. I'm going to ask you to obey all my commands. Wow, every one of them? In our flesh? On our own? We're going to have to obey every law, every command? Yeah. And another thing I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to love one another. Remember that three weeks ago? How we should love one another? And guess what? We're supposed to love that person who's not going to love us back. Really? That's not easy. It's impossible. It's what he's building up to. It will be impossible on our own. And then the third thing that we've studied about, which was last week, he says, I want you to get ready to die. Because some of you are going to be killed. In fact, you know, skip to the end of the book, end of the movie, however you want to phrase it in your mind this morning, but we know that almost all of them were murdered. And so, here's these crazy commandments from God given to them. Jesus is speaking this into them. And at this point, they're just puzzled. They've got all of these things running through their mind. Instead of running, no doubt, scratching their heads, wondering what's really happening. So now the coach, he calls them in. And I can only think it would go something like this. And if you're not a sports fan, sorry, uh, especially a football fan, I thought it'd be good to get it in this week too since Atlanta's playing in the NFC Championship today. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. But uh, now the coach is calling his guys in. And it just so happens in his case, he's not only the coach, but he's a star quarterback. And here he is, he's drawing this incredible plan for the next play that's going to just change the momentum in the game. I mean, it's just going to blow the opponent away. But it's actually not going to be him playing. In fact, it's going to be this rookie quarterback coming in. They ain't even practiced with this guy. They, they don't even know what this rookie quarterback can do. Now, they've read a little bit about this rookie quarterback, right? At this point, the disciples read a little bit about the Holy Spirit. They knew he came in the Old Testament. They knew he did a few things in the Old Testament. But they never really got to play with him. They never really got to be in life with the Holy Spirit. And so he says, here's this huge plan that I'm going to ask you to work through with your team. And I'm not going to be in the play. Wow. You mean we've got to depend on this rookie quarterback? Yeah, because I'm leaving. I've got to leave. I've got to get out of here. Well, at this point, we know what happens, but they don't. 
I mean, they're going to soon find out, right, that this rookie quarterback, he's a stud. He's a big-time player. For us, that's the Holy Spirit of God. What he's going to find out is that he's really God. These disciples are going to understand this is the third person of the Trinity. This is God himself. This is the Holy Spirit being God and also being a person. They're going to experience in just about two months down the road for them that he's going to possess knowledge, this spirit of God, this spirit of truth that Jesus is saying, oh, it's to your advantage that I go away so that he will come. Because he's going to possess knowledge. He's going to possess understanding that he's going to give to you as my followers. He has a will. He's a, he experiences emotions. And he's even going to speak to you guys. Wow, what a thought that would be, huh? Even though it was so hard for them to think they'd have to finish the game without him, they knew full well that when Jesus had a plan and he drew out a play, it always worked. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal for them, right? Every time he said, let's do this or let's do that, it, the odds looked insurmountable. Guess what? It happened. And so here we are. You can't understand it completely. Jesus is going away. Here comes the Holy Spirit. And before we go into the Holy Spirit, and this is what we're going to land the text on today, okay? Because I really want us to understand this. Let's not forget how important it was at this moment that Jesus had to go away. So there's a slide we're going to walk through. Now think about this. If Jesus had not gone to the Father like he just promised him, the Holy Spirit would not have come at Pentecost with special power and many gifts to the church. Believers would have limited access to the presence of God. With Jesus on earth, he could only be at one place at one time. Think about that, just that one alone. We have the privilege of being anywhere in the world. Right now, there's believers gathered all over the world, and the Spirit of God, the presence of God is dwelling within them. If Jesus was here on earth at the time with his disciples, he knew he was limited in body. He was in one location at one time. He's saying, oh, to your advantage, guys, that I go away because when I go away, you'll have continual communion with me. He cannot become our high priest for his people because he is seated at the right hand of God. He is appearing before us as an advocate with the Father. Another part of Scripture, it says he's like an attorney. He's pleading our case before the Father. See, if Jesus would not have gone away, these things would not come to be. It would, would leave us less room for the exercise of their faith and hope and trust. There would be less opportunities for glorifying God and exhibiting his power in the world. Well, who's going who's gonna to work hard when you got God with you, right? I mean, it's kind of like... Something big goes on, something big needs to happen, go to Jesus. He can do it. Why would you come to us, right? Even the disciples we see would do that. You know, we couldn't heal them. We couldn't, you know, we tried, God, but you know what? You're going to have to come and rescue us. Well, if, if Jesus had not gone to the Father, we wouldn't be able to exercise our faith. We wouldn't be able to exercise our hope and trust in the one. We would just defer all the hard cases to Jesus. Jesus had not gone to Father. Everything remains in its old state. 
Jews would still be under the law. The lost would still be blinded by their sin. And there would be no atonement for sin. Think about this. There would be no death. There would be no burial. There would be no resurrection of Jesus Christ. There would be no victory over death. When we died, we'd be in the coffin. Or our ashes would be spread. And that would be the end of the story. Be final. Be it. But when Jesus died, when he gave himself to the Father, it was an offering that continues forward and has power over the grave. And then we wouldn't be sitting here this morning because there would be no gospel. Because the gospel is Jesus Christ. And so if he wouldn't have gone away, we wouldn't have this. So Jesus begins to sense the sorrow. He refers to their hearts being sorrowful with this news that he's going away. And in beginning verses 8 through 11, he's going to begin to share with them. Passionately, no doubt. No, hang with me, guys. I am going away. But I hope before I leave, I'm going to leave you with enough information about the, the Holy Spirit who is coming that you'll begin to understand even now. And we'll find out next week they really didn't understand until about two months down the road at Pentecost. But I'm going to give you some info. And so here they were, listening to him. No doubt their hearts were getting saddened. The reality of Jesus leaving. And he's going, no, no, no. Not only... Is it to your advantage? But this guy's incredible. He, he will represent me and the Father. We read in verse 8 through 11. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because a ruler of the world is judged. First thing Jesus addresses that the Holy Spirit is going to do is that he's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit will convince people that they are sinners. Aren't you glad, believers, that the Holy Spirit of God convinced us that we were sinners and we needed a Savior? Amen. He convinces them that they must be saved by Christ's righteousness, not their own. Aren't you glad? Our salvation is not dependent on how good we are and on our works, but it's on Christ's righteousness. And then he will convince the world that there is a judgment to come. How will the Spirit do this? Well, it seems like in the last part of verse 7, it says, The Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. It sounds like he's coming through the believers. And the believers are going to have a part in this convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I've got a chart here. Kind of walk through it. Okay? Follow me down the left side. The Holy Spirit comes to our life. He draws us to the Father. He reveals the sin. He begins to convict us. We understand we need a relationship with the God who created us. We surrender to that. As we do, transformation begins to happen in our life. Empowerment comes, we begin to read His Word, our minds renewed with the truth. And as all this is going on, 
what's happening is we're, we're proclaiming, we're speaking about what has happened to us. We're telling the world, Jesus has rescued me. My life is changing. Even some of the things we do, it's beginning to change. And so we're demonstrating the power of God and the Holy Spirit by not only our words, but also by how we live. And so this confronts the unbeliever. For those of you who have made a decision to follow Christ, you know this. For me, it was when I was 18 and I'm the youngest of three boys and I come home a totally different dude. I mean, my life was wrecked with sin. And I come home and all of a sudden my brothers are wondering what's happened to me. And for the next several months, they hear my language changing. They see what I do become different. What, what's happening is the Spirit of God is convicting them. And He's bringing the gospel to bear in their life. And now what He's doing is He's authenticating Jesus Christ before them. And now they have to make a decision. If Christ is will, am I going to follow? If He is real, am I going to follow Him or not? And this is what the Holy Spirit does in the conviction of sin. And then He goes on and He says of Jesus' righteousness. And it's pretty cool here to realize in the text that Jesus says, my righteousness, not yours. So, don't worry about being perfect, okay? I've got the righteousness thing taken care of, okay? And what he meant by that was, he goes on to say in that verse that he goes to be with my father. That sounded kind of weird to me. I had to look up several uh, different authors to figure out maybe what he was really saying. But what he was demonstrating in his righteousness was he was, a, he was the God who he said he was. When he went away... He put the rest, the doubters. He put the rest, the accusers, the ones who said, who is this guy? He's just a Galilean. He's just a carpenter, right? But no, because Jesus has ascended to the Father, He's proved righteous. And so now the Spirit of God is going to take this righteousness and He's going to convict the world. And then in judgment, in the God of this world, the Prince of this world right now, He's already stood condemned. In fact, in condemning Christ, Satan actually condemned himself. Revelation 20.10, we see that the final act of judgment to Satan was he's cast into the lake of fire forever to be separated from God. The Spirit of God is going to do this through us. Mainly. He will declare His power and gospel through creation or through circumstances, but mainly we're his vehicles. But let me just add this little tidbit before we go on. It's not our job to convert or change people. No, it's our privilege to share the gospel, the good news with people and depend upon the spirit of God to do what he says. And if you know me, you would much rather depend upon what the Spirit says than what Terry says, right? Amen. Amen? So it's the Spirit that's going to do the sanctifying, saving work. We're going to do the pilgrim work. We're going to do, we're going to do the fun stuff. We're going to get to share Christ as Todd challenged us last week. Okay. So the Holy Spirit's ministry to the world is to convict in order to bring about repentance. 
His ministry to us believers now, by contrast, is to bring about obedience through transformation. And Jesus, that, that's just part of what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's got more coming. In fact, in verses 13 through 15, He's going to tell us two more things the Holy Spirit's going to do. Look at this. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father is Mine, therefore I said that He will take what is Mine and He will declare it to you. The first thing that that Jesus addresses in addition to uh, the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, is he's going to guide us in all truth. Yes, that means us. That's just not his disciples. That's each one of us that are sitting here this morning that choose to follow Christ. He's going to guide us in the truth. How's he going to do that? What the Spirit hears from the Father, right? In and through the Word of God, he's going to whisper into the ears of us, into the, into the hearts of his followers. The second way he's going to guide us in the truth, Scripture says that he will speak or he will declare the things to come. Part of the things to come was the New Testament. That's pretty sufficient, isn't it? (laughs) How's he going to guide us in the truth? He's going to move upon the hearts and spirits of men who are going to be writing this text that we know, this sacred word from God that is called the New Testament. That's how the Spirit is going to guide us into all truth. And the second thing He's going to do is He's going to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit will take that which is Christ, the very substance of His teaching regarding the purpose of redemption and salvation, and He's just going to blow it up. He's going to enlarge this story of the Gospel. He's going to do it in such a way that every person ever born is going to have an opportunity to get a glimpse of what redemption is all about. A side note while we're here in verses 13 through 15 and we're talking about the Spirit of God working in our lives and we're talking about Him speaking to us and we hearing from Him. Just a side note here. So So Jesus is not lost in this. The work of the Spirit is never divorced from Jesus Christ or the Word of God. We all know, or even some of us have experienced personally, someone who may have come to us and have claimed the Spirit's talked to them, and they've claimed the Spirit's told them to to do something. And in fact, at the end, it didn't turn out, it didn't line up with Scripture, it didn't give glory to God. It's not from the Spirit. Because what Jesus says is the Spirit, He will lead you in all truth, and then He will glorify Jesus. So all serious impressions from the Holy Spirit that we receive from Him, they'll lead us to Jesus. They'll lead us to the divine Scriptures. They'll lead us to the truth. In fact, it will probably be a word that is from truth. Not every time, 
But it will probably be Scripture itself that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about in our, in our individual walk. And I pray in our walk as a congregation as well. But is this all that the Holy Spirit will do? Guide us and glorify Christ? And convict the world of sin? Mm-mm. There's more, and this is what we're going to end on. We're going to kind of turn the corner here. Because this is the application for us today. Jesus says in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. What he's saying is, you can't handle it. (laughs) You can't handle what I got to say. And so I'm not going to say it right now. But in two months at Pentecost, guys, after you've kind of seen what happens to me, the curtain's going to be pulled back on the Holy Spirit. And He's going to descend down with great power there at Pentecost. And this moment in the, in the plan is going to start building traction. And what I drew on the whiteboard as our plan that was going to be a, the perfect plan to score a touchdown for the kingdom of God, it's going to, you're, you're going to see it all coming together. And that means us too. That means today in Simi Valley, California, in Cornerstone Community Church, the Spirit of God is going to do the same things that Jesus promised He would do within His disciples. And so, I want you to see what some of those things are because I, I believe today that we live a Christian life most of the time defeated because the Spirit of God is not living within us unhindered to do His work. So what the Holy Spirit will do in a believer's life, grab a few of these. Hold on to them tight. He seeks after us. He transforms our lives through the new birth. Old is gone. The new has come, right? He provides comfort for us in difficult times. Man, have you just been so burdened in life? Have you been in situations in your life where you just you don't have an answer and you just, you just cry out to God. The Spirit of God says in Romans 8 that He will pray for us. He will enter into our burden. He helps us to pray when we don't know what to pray. He teaches and guides us in all truth. He seals us with the property of the Father. Nothing can take away that seal. He bears witness with our spirit that we belong to God. Have you been doubting your salvation? The Spirit of God should be bearing witness with you that you're a child of God. He sets us apart for holy service. In 1 Corinthians 12, the the whole picture of the body, everybody being involved. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 and Acts 6, He calls leaders into the body who are Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, right? Uh, Let's see, where are we at? And He refreshes us deep within our souls. He allows our minds to be set on God. Because our minds, our thoughts are about God, it brings us life and peace. Not the turmoil of our situation. Not the hopelessness of where we're at. But no, when our eyes are fixed on God, it brings about life and peace. 
He produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We can rest. (laughs) Because those nine pieces of fruit, man, (laughs) they'll do a number on you if you try and do them yourself. Good luck with that, by the way. If you think you can produce those nine on your own, have at it. I've tried for almost 30 years. The Spirit of God produces that fruit in us and through us. He unifies believers everywhere. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Remember this? And one Father of all. He unites us. He enables us to lead holy lives that are pleasing to God. If we live by the Spirit, then we put to death the deeds of the flesh. He makes us a part of God's family. Romans 8, 16, and in John 1, 12, right? He calls us children of God. We've been adopted. We're heirs with God. We're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And the last thing is, He brings us the ultimate joy and gives us deep inner peace, which nothing can take take away. Think about that a minute. It's a lot of stuff, wasn't it? Jesus said, you can't handle it. If I told you all this stuff, it would just blow your minds, disciples. But as we had the advantage of looking back, we can see, wow, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth is living in us, and He's promised to do all of this. Are you kidding me? We're living this life of the Christian faith, grinding it out, trying to find joy, and this is what God has promised us through His Spirit? What's happening? Why are we not experiencing this? Glad you asked. I got another screen. Because this is how Christ desires us to live. But here's typically what happens in my life. When I'm walking in the Spirit, and then I begin to not have faith. Just like God calls us to salvation, right? By grace through faith. His Spirit, just as we are saved by grace through faith, so we will be filled by the Holy Spirit through faith. When's the last time we've really been dependent on the Holy Spirit? When's the last time you went to bed at night and you go, Man, what happened today was so supernatural, it never would have happened if I wouldn't have believed God for it to happen. You see, that's the kind of faith that the Holy Spirit wants us to have. By confession and repentance. Guys, we we cannot expect the Spirit of God to be active and alive within us if we have unconfessed sin. If we don't repent, if we don't confess our sins and cry out to God to forgive us, in your handouts, you'll go through all that. You'll see where we can quench the Holy Spirit, where we we can actually shut down our thinking. And then by surrendering, we surrender control of every area of our life. So if you're not living this Christian journey, this Christian life, to the fullness, how about visiting those three things? How about spending time with God today and this week, renewing your faith and confessing and repenting of your sin? Do that immediately by surrendering. 
Maybe you haven't sensed this at all. Maybe you were baptized as a, as a young kid in VBS or something, and maybe it's just not made sense to you. Maybe you've thought about the Christian life, but you know, you've been a part of churches and all that, but your life's really not changed. You've not experienced the power that God gives us through His Spirit. I want to challenge you today to go through and walk through these steps. Well, as I close, let me close with this. Because as we deal with our own personal walk and our own personal lives, God's also made us a part of this family. The body of Christ. And as the Holy Spirit works in our lives individually, He also asks us to be involved in the Spirit of the body. And for you that call Cornerstone your home, you're part of our body. And so if the Spirit of God is at work in you and you come into these hordes of people and you wonder, how does that work? How do, how do I know? Maybe I'm walking in the Spirit, but when I come into worship on Sunday or when I I'm part of my community group or when I'm out in public at my job or at school, how do I know when I'm connected with other Cornerstone believers that we are allowing the Spirit of God to direct us? I'm going to show you with another screen, but hang on one second before you put that up there. Oh, you already put it up there. Okay. But this is a check system for you guys and for us as leaders. This is what we would covet your prayers on. And this is a way, this is a litmus test for all of us who are born again believers. This is a way that we can ask if the Spirit of God is really leading Cornerstone. Are we really allowing Him to use us as He said He would in our individual lives and then corporately as we come together? Because where the Spirit reigns, believers relate to the Word and the teaching. We will honor God's Word. We will desire to know it. Because Jesus Christ is described in it. Where the Spirit reigns, believers relate to each other with true fellowship. The word is koinea. It's a, it's a deep, abiding love for one another. We talked about it a few weeks ago in John. Where the Spirit reigns, believers relate to God in worship. Not just through singing, but worship. Really adoring God for who He is. And then lastly, where the Spirit reigns, Believers relate to the world in evangelism. And that's what Todd ended with last week. We'll be excited to tell the good news of what Christ has done. Well, as I close today, I pray that as you take these notes home, you'll read through them more. And my desire is that we understand this huge game-changing moment in history in light of where we're at today. And that the Spirit of God, the very Spirit of of truth will come into our lives if, if we are believers and He will guide us into all truth and He will glorify Jesus and He will allow us to live in freedom. He will allow us to taste the joy of knowing that we're His. If you've never tasted that joy of knowing Christ as your personal Savior, today would be a wonderful day. In fact, it could be the Spirit of God's convicting you you need to surrender, give your life to Christ, and begin this journey that, that we're on with the Holy Spirit. Some of you, maybe you've never been baptized before. Now is the opportunity to do that. When Jared and the guys start playing, and Jared, you guys can come on up. When they start playing, 
Come up to the prayer room. If you need prayer anyway, maybe you've not experienced the power of the Spirit of God in your life. Maybe you're longing for that. Maybe you're desiring for that. Come and let us pray for you. We would love to join in that. Thank you this morning for listening. And I'll end in prayer. Father, through your Spirit, may you work in our hearts. May you allow us to receive what you said this morning. And may we demonstrate what we've heard through our obedience to you. And we pray in your powerful name. Amen.